the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. Hello and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. This is a podcast where we interview an artist to discuss the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers. During lockdown, we have been taking the podcasts live on our Facebook page to find out how artists are dealing with the situation, and we've been finding some ways to help, giving tips about doing live stream gigs, how to maintain engagement with your fans, grow your community online, and generally how to keep afloat during this challenging time. This episode recorded live on Facebook last week, and you can check out our Facebook page to watch it back. I interviewed Eli Lev, DC-based singer-songwriter and self-described world citizen. Eli is quite the music business entrepreneur, so he joined me to give us some top tips on how to treat your music career as a business. Eli Lev, I, th- I think we're live. We never know. We've, you've, we've always got this, this latency time. Um, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are I'm you? I'm good. Was that, that was latent. I don't know if this, how this is going to go. Was that um, good? good? We're good. We're all set. <laughs> it's all gonna be fine um Great. so i'm super excited to talk to you tonight um about music as a business you know you've been i've watched you i guess coming on now for about two years i'm gonna guess roughly maybe a year and a half to two years um and i've been so impressed with the way that you approach your music and your career so tonight we're going to talk about five of the principles that you use within your own career um, and in fact which you teach to others because you know you actually have a, a music business consultancy would you call it a firm i wouldn't call it a firm i'm just uh just consulting, just consulting. Uh, here mm-hmm. and there to some to some uh some good folks so uh yeah it's not not quite a firm yet okay. but um definitely get a lot of joy good out stuff um okay well tell you what um how has lockdown been for you? So before we kind of, you know, go into the, these five principles, because I feel like, I mean, so just to, to give everyone some context, you and I actually did this podcast before lockdown. And I had a couple of weeks, because I'm sorry, folks, I'd sometimes record a few things in advance. Um, and what happened was lockdown happened. And then it was put on the back burner, not knowing how long it would go for. And then we've started taking the podcasts live on Facebook. So we thought, why not just redo it? We'll do it with the video and have have the live chat. So lockdown hit, I guess, mid-March. Um, all live shows have been cancelled, but you have been taking your shows online. So how have you been doing through all of, all of this? Yeah, so I kind of just do better by doing things. So when all my shows were cancelled, I just like started this like pretty wild live streaming schedule. Um, I did like Facebook personal live stream on Tuesday, Instagram on Wednesday, Twitter on Thursday, uh, Folk Friday on YouTube on Friday, then like Facebook page on Saturday, Patreon on Sunday. So literally I had one day off a week of live streaming. Um, And I think people appreciated that actually, especially the first month. People really, um, really enjoyed kind of tuning in and giving love and stuff. And um, yeah, I've just been taking the shows online. You can mm-hmm. say. And how's that been going? I mean, in terms of, so you already had a really engaged fan base. So how have, how have you? Yeah, I have a, 
Yeah, I have a very, very tight knit um, kind of engaged uh, fan base, which is awesome. Uh, they're they're amazing, um, and they really kind of um, enjoy connecting with me. So just hanging out and stories, and um, I talk about how I write songs, and of course play my originals and requests. Um, so it's been great. I think in the beginning, people were more receptive because it was a very cool thing uh, and it was different because people didn't know like a lot of artists didn't live stream that much i feel like now i've kind of had to like hone my message and really kind of pick my spots and which social media platforms are um, the best and what time of day is doing mm -hmm. well um and i think I'm, I'm moving more towards a um like you know a one or two live streams a week kind of thing and making it more of a bigger event than like an everyday thing Gosh, and like, we actually did a, a, um, a book club a couple of weeks ago, and it was sort of focused around this idea of asking. Um, and I thought it was, it was, I mean, like, the book is not necessarily new. The idea isn't new. Amanda Palmer did this um, TED Talk, I think, in 20, I'm going to say 2014 as a guess. I think so. It was, it was a good six years ago or so, and then wrote a book about it. Um, and a lot of artists that I've been speaking to sort of have been struggling with asking for money in exchange for their art during this time because i think it's sort of this idea that you know you're asking for tips and it feels to some it feels like charity which it isn't but it's sort of us getting you know used to this idea of our art um having having value is that anything that you know is that something that you've been grappling with during this time or well i think it's a i think it's a mind shift mm -hmm. i think um artists have problems promoting themselves. Um, I think artists have problems asking. Um, I think artists have problems like just doing anything that seems salesy or marketing because it's about the purity of the art and the music. Yeah. Um, but it's never really been that way, I don't think ever um, in the music kind of community. And even like old bards and poets would recite the stories, you know, that were part of the culture and like, you know, sing the songs that the court wanted or like, you know, popular music and, and music is, is in service um, to the masses. Um, so on one end, like, I totally get it because we've been, we've been taught as artists, like your music should stand alone and it should speak for you and just let it, it'll, it'll do, it'll take care of you. And like it will, but um, we really need the support of people and of a community. And if people will find value in our music, uh, then we should definitely kind of like respect that and um, be okay if they're willing to give that value back to us, whether that's monetarily or whether it's a share or whether it's a like, whether it's a comment, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a Venmo tip, there's tons of ways that that can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's really a give and take. I think, um, you know, like the more I give, the more other folks feel like giving. <laughs> so really it's a give and give <laughs> not, not a give and take so yeah it's been um it's been a it's been like almost like a you could say like a spiritual journey towards being in a place where i'm confident in myself and my art that i know i provide value to folks and it's okay if they want yeah and um, something that you said that um i feel like we may have spoken about um on a personal level i'm not sure if we've ever discussed this in a podcast but this idea of you know what musicians used to do in the sense of they were the news source 
they would go from town to town and they would tell the news from the next town via song um, or they were sort of the jesters. So there was, there was sort of an entertainment value, but there was also a very, um, you know, useful aspect of it. And in the same sense as, you know, with social justice songwriters, I guess, do now or certainly did, you know, in the 60s and so on. Right, right. And I mean, I think that all that thought might have come from the 60s where it was like, if you sign for a record label, you like sold out or like folk music being pure. But all those artists like sold millions of records and they were all like really happy to do record contracts. And, you know, they've gone on and sold out stadiums and tours and you know they have no problems yeah no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean like making a living from music so I don't know I really don't know like where that comes from or if there's any like artist police out yeah. there and if I can be really honest I'm going to be brutally honest I'm I love sorry. some brutal honesty um most most of the people that give you crap as an mm -hmm. artist for like putting your music out there are the folks that wish they were yes. doing uh what you were doing and wish they were that confident enough to um stand up for their music and their craft yeah. not that their craft is bad not that they're um you know what i mean that it doesn't have a chance but like to be able to have that confidence in yourself and your music and your craft to just be like this is good enough to get out there in the world i'm going to ask people to share and like it and give back value if they appreciate it and i'm gonna you know spend you know some of that back to you know, extend that reach out into the world. I think that's more than okay and what your music deserves as an artist. You're absolutely right. I think there was even a, a piece in the book where she talks about the time when she was sort of standing on a statue and people would shout at her, go and get a job or go and get a real job or whatever. And, you know, even standing as a statue, that's, it's sort of very symbolic or iconic in a way, but, you know, people, you know, often musicians tell me that they go home for Thanksgiving and, and you know, like, have you got a job yet or you're, st you're still doing the music thing? And it's, you know, so I think we get shamed because we're sort of following our passion. And yet, you know, it's, it's yeah. from these people that often wish they had followed their own. Yeah. And so like every time that happens, you can be like, you know what, I'm doing this for you, whether maybe you have some resistance to it, but because you have resistance means that there's something that I'm doing that, you know, that you wish happened or that like you're secretly like wished, you know, could happen. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's, um, I saw the Ted talk mm -hmm. from Amanda Palmer and it was um, great. I haven't read the book, but a lot of the principles in her Ted talk were in the book. Yeah. So I'm sure. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I would just stick to the, the Ted talk. It's yep, she just elongates it out for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's long, okay. It's long, it's long book. Um, so Eli, let's talk about music as a business. So I love the way that you yep. um, are so open about how you treat your music career as a business. And quite frankly, we all should. There is that is absolutely how we should do it, but a lot of people don't necessarily kind of think of it quite in a very like structured format as you do. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the five principles of uh, music as a business that we have come up with tonight, or that you have come up with. I'm not taking happy any to. credit for this. Yeah, no, happy to. So yeah, we've got five principles that we kind of talked about before the um, our conversation tonight. And our first one was pretty much like finding um, my voice and my story as an artist. So I'm going to kind of say this, I'm going to talk about this in like the first person rather than like the third person, the second person, like 
you need to do this or you need to do that because I don't know. I'm just going to talk about from my own experience and what happened in my artistic journey and then people can kind of um, take that as they want. Does that make sense? Awesome. Um, so, you know, the first part of my artistic journey was like, how do I want to set this up? Like, how do I want to do this? Do I want to pitch my music to major labels? Do I want to, you know, go out there and find a manager? Like, how do I want to set up my path? And I made a decision very early on that I wanted to stay as grassroots and as authentic and as connection, connected as possible to uh, my listeners, to my community. Um, so that was a decision I made early on. And ever since then, that's been part of my whole kind of like thing um, as an artist, and as a musician, as a creative. Um, and I think that's really important as an artist early on, not necessarily to make a decision like that, but something like, you know, am I really into graphics? Is graphics going to be part of my story? Um, am I really into, you know, um, kind of like fan participation? Like, do I really want people to like get into my uh, media? Um, am I a songwriter? Maybe I'm a songwriter and I don't want to do the whole YouTube thing. Um, and I just want to write songs for people. And, you know, maybe I'm going to go to Nashville and do that. So I think that's like an ever-changing thing. Um, but I think it's really good to like really dial in and be like, who am I going to be? Because the more you like niche yourself, actually the better. Um, the more like, the more I like found my way as, you know, okay, I'm a adventure indie folk artist who does international tours and involves my community, the more um, people responded to that. Um, so that was a huge thing for me right out of the gate. So yeah, defining your message, I think was, I think another way that you had um, parrot, like sort of phrased it to me before. And I thought that was really, that, and that's really key. I think, you know, knowing who you are and, um, you know, feeling confident enough to say, you know, this is exact, this is who I am. And like, by knowing who you are, you know who you can target effectively as your demographic. Exactly. Like I would have a much better time targeting like specific artists who I looked up to and thought my music was closer to rather than being like, if people like singers, songwriters, they'll probably like mm -hmm. me. Um, so um, yeah, I've had much more success in really kind of honing in, you know, who my audience is. And, um, you know, there's, there's really good practices. Like I've heard like people talk about like thinking about your ideal fan or your fan avatar or like, um, who is that person, you know what I mean, that you're singing to, that could be a really good practice. It was for mm -hmm. me. Um, I realized that I was singing to somebody who's like socially conscious, um, kind of like on some sort of spiritual path, um, understood the beauty in nature and really enjoyed uh, meaningful lyrics. Um, so those were like kind of like some, some characteristics of of people that I figured out were coming to the shows and really involved. In mm -hmm. music. So those were kind of your cornerstones, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that happens more and more. Um, so I just started doing music, I think, you know, it was like maybe four years ago. So I really had to play a lot of catch up. So I played as out as much as I could and really just kind of like tried to supercharge uh, my growth as a musician. Um, so I was able to try and catch on really quick on, on who the people were mm -hmm. 
who are coming out to the shows and enjoy the music. And just on that, and I, I do want to move on to the other principles, but just in terms of when you said, you know, you started four years ago, I know you were a high school teacher before. And the last time we spoke about this podcast and I said, how did you start? And you said, well, I just kind of, you know, I started getting out there and I started playing all of the gigs that I could. And the way that you described that, I, I remember sort of being really in awe of the way that you had approached it. And it was, you know, I'm going to do all of the gigs that I can and I'm going to get, you know, get as uncomfortable as possible so that I can learn and push through that. Yeah, I mean, you know, another big part of my story is that, you know, I used to be an eighth grade language arts teacher. I taught overseas for some time, um, had experience with a variety of other cultures and bringing those cultures into my music um, has been part of that growth. Um, but the, the reason why I feel like I was able to kind of just dive in is because, um, you know, I've been travel I've been traveling a lot and overseas and like jumping into a new culture. It's like, it's a completely humbling experience. You know what I mean? You're just like, I know nothing about this. You know what I mean? So I just have to listen and just pay attention and learn. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I did my first year playing, you know, four hour bar gigs to, you know, corporate you know, the corporate folks who are just coming in for a happy hour and could care less about the music and just want a good beer. I don't blame them. You know what I mean? They're, they aren't there for the music, but there I was in the corner, like trying to play my songs. Yep. Um, but those shows really, you know, taught me a lot and just kind of diving in and putting myself out there was um, actually a, a great way to um, kind of supercharge my growth. as a Yeah. Musician. Playing for um, people that don't want to, that are not necessarily there for you is a really hard and a good lesson <laughs> as a musician. You should do yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah. The number of gigs I've done like that. And you play to just the barman often. Um, mm, awkward. So <laughs> number two, let's let's head on to number yep. two. Yeah. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Mm. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. I can, I can hear you. Hear you. Yes, you're back. Hello? Hello. We're good. Hello. Hello. All set. We're having some having okay. some connection issues cool. here for some particular reason. Awesome. So should we head on to number two? Yeah. Yes, let's do this. Uh, do you know what number two Creating is? Creating your community, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Number two is creating um, creating a community for me, it was creating my community. Um, and it was really just like my friends and family, to be honest, you know, that's the, that's the first fans that, um, I had. And so connecting with them and talking with them and being like, listen, I'm going to do this thing. And I'd really love it if you were there with me throughout this process, uh, that would be amazing. Um, and then some of them being like, sure. Some of them being like, no, thanks. And that's totally cool. It doesn't mean that the no thanks people didn't love me or didn't want to see me succeed. It was just that at that moment, they were like, we'll support you in, in other ways. Just do your thing. You know, we'll mm -hmm. be there. So, yeah, it started with um, friends and family. And then, you know, like that first show comes where like you've got like I have like my first fan that I don't know before the show. Mm -hmm. That's like an, an amazing feeling. It's like, wow, you're not my friend, you're not yeah. my family, but you really like my music. And now we're like kind of hanging out. This is cool. Um, 
and then building on that and just kind of like starting uh, kind of like a family, a family feel, I call it my inner circle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so having an inner circle has been really helpful to me just um, going back there and connecting with them and getting their help along the way. So yeah, community to me has been um, huge and like just kind of like finding the right way forward and getting um, feedback when mm -hmm. I need it most. And you, you, so you mentioned your community and your inner circle. So you have Eli Lev's inner circle and that is a Facebook community group that you've started for your sort of top tier fans, if you like. Yeah, technically it's uh, my Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, so my Patreon page has a Facebook group that goes along with it. Um, so, um, you know, it's uh, like two live streams a month, a, a song and a video um, every month or, um, you know, I have different tiers in my Patreon community. Um, but that is also uh, a Facebook group called My Inner Circle. Um, when I did my Kickstarter um, last, the end of last year to start um, kind of like raising, raising funds for my last album, Deep South, um, those folks were also, I also invited those folks to My Inner Circle. So really everybody in My Inner Circle right now are people who've supported me on Kickstarter or Patreon as well. Yeah. And in fact, because I think that's how I ended up in your inner circle, um, was the you know I think mm -hmm. so. Supporting yeah, your your album. Was a yeah. Kickstarter. And speaking of which, so in terms of creating your community, that's one way that you've been able to fund your albums. You, like you've already sort of had this, um, you know, group of super fans that you've said, "Hey, I'm doing this album," and they've you know been supporting you and not just sort of monetarily, but also encouraging you towards it. You know, they're they're really kind of into the process. They want to hear the behind the scenes stuff you know, they're really all in for your projects. Yeah. Yeah. So my inner circle helped me with my logo, helped me with deciding what my Kickstarter would be, helped me decide the, uh, the tiers of my Kickstarter and, and Patreon as well. Um, they helped me with, you know, design for um, videos. Um, and they even uh, helped me create a music video. My Chasing Daylight video uh, was a bunch of folks uh, in my community. So um yeah, it was a, it's a really cool process kind of like going along. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great that, you know, you take their feedback and you can sort of so easily kind of ask for it versus sort of thinking that you know best. It's like, Hey, you're my fans. What do you want? Yeah. I mean, you know, it also takes some pressure um, off me as an artist, always thinking that I know exactly what everybody wants. Like instead I can just ask and they can kind of like guide me in the end. Of course, it's, you know, my decision and my say and my, you know, I, I can make the call, but I definitely appreciate um, that input. And um, it's definitely, I definitely welcome mm -hmm. it. All right. So number three, building your systems. Yes. Building your systems. Well, I remember when I started making my team uh, folks that, we're gonna help me with PR, um, Ariel Hyatt at Cyber PR. She was awesome. Uh, people that were gonna help me distribute my music, um, Creative Entertainment Network um, out of uh, New York. They've been awesome. Um, deciding who my producers were gonna be, um, you know, House Studios in DC and Jeff Gruber in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, finding who my photographer was gonna be, Eric Brown out of uh, Maryland. Um, and just like creating all the people that were gonna support me um, in creating this art. And um, they're all really good people, and I feel super, super lucky mm -hmm. um, that they're part of uh, part of my team. And you, when you say sort of building your systems, you mean in terms of all of your projects, not necessarily sort of just the album, but you know, longer term in terms of 
your Facebook community group, your, um, you know, anyone who's, I don't know if you have an intern at the moment, um, but, you know, certain things like that. Also, we, you know, talking about your, uh, I think we'll come on to automating your business in terms of like your MailChimp and so on and so forth. But yeah, you kind of mean all of the aspects that go into um, building those systems. Yeah, I think um, I think the team was actually like the first part of that mm -hmm. for me because once I was able to get the photos and create the music and create the the, the videos, like all that stuff, kind of um, led to me being able to create, you know, a mailing list sequence or create, you know, a Facebook ad campaign or you know, um, use my single art on a YouTube video. Um, so all those kind of things really helped and setting that up. And uh, now I've got a very kind of, very detailed complex kind of network of systems that all kind of connect with each other, um, bring in a constant kind of um, a flow of new listeners and um, kind of bring those listeners into um, closer and closer into the community. So it's like kind of like the more value that I'm able to give, the more value they're, um, they want to, mm -hmm. um, to give as well so that's yeah. an interesting idea about you know how to develop your new listeners in and sort of funnel them into that super fan category um tell me about how you did that or what your sort of thought process was to get there sure so i set up probably like the basic version of my systems like that maybe like think right when I started music, I, I started my Patreon page. So um, before I released my first album, All Roads East, I wanted to make sure I had 50 patrons. And so that was my goal. I reached 50 patrons and I released my album first to them. For my second album, Way Out West, I did the same thing and my goal was 100 patrons. Um, so I reached 100 patrons and released my album. So I had started kind of this inner circle um, aspect of my music career. Then um, I kind of got in touch with um, a company called Modern Musician, uh, led by Michael Walker. Uh, he's an amazing kind of music visionary. He's got like a business mind, but he's also been in a band that's uh, toured um, the world and um, definitely had a lot to teach me. So through Modern Musician, I was able to connect like my closest inner circle to like the broad, like everyday listener. Mm -hmm. And I was able to figure out how to bring listeners like through um, step by step to that um, inner circle community. So I had some like pieces before um, that, but Modern Musician really kind of helped me understand how to move fans from just never hearing my music to hearing my music to wanting to connect more, getting on live streams, and then eventually, hopefully, um, being in my inner circle. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, um, so moving on to number four, automating your business. Aha, mm -hmm. yes. So now, literally, while I'm sleeping, um, people are listening to my music in India, Indonesia, um, you know, like the UK, uh, Argentina. Um, people are, you know, checking out my YouTube videos worldwide. Um, people are purchasing. Um, introductory items on my uh, my funnel mm -hmm. that's uh, set up through my website. Um, folks are, you know, reviewing my live streams that they weren't able to catch. So literally while I sleep, um, you know, my systems are working, which is awesome. 
Um, so I could take a vacation and they'd still be working. I can just check in and make sure everything's going well. Um, so that's that constant kind of like new listenership and new people yeah. who are being um, connecting to um, my music, which is awesome. It's a great feeling. And, you know, I wake up every day and there's, you know, usually like a message on Instagram that's like, oh my gosh, I just saw your song. It's incredible. Like, thank you for making it. Or I'll get a Facebook review that says like, you know, last night's live stream was awesome. Just what I needed to get through the week. Um, and I have like this little document. It's called my live stream good vibe, good vibes document um, where I put all the little things in and, and check in with that every morning to um, see that, you know, music is making a difference in people's lives, which is pretty awesome. That's a really interesting and it's a great idea. And it, you know, does it sort of, I don't want to use the word validate, but I'm going to say reaffirm your self-belief and um, not oh, only in yourself, totally. but in the world. Yes. Oh, it totally validates every single like, <laughs> like second minute that I've like spent working, you know what I mean? And like toiling on this craft. Um, it's like, okay, so that entire four month period of, you know, writing song and going to, a, a, you know, recording studio and getting all those people together and really toning it in and getting everything super right that piece of art like connected deeply with somebody mm -hmm. and for them to reach out to me after hearing that and tell me about that is even more is even more awesome so yeah um i love this idea that you can kind of step away from the factory floor if you like and it's all still going on um it, yeah that sort of idea of like yeah. the cog still going type thing Right. So for example, I have like, you know, I've just Instagram story um, ads going um, and that leads to my Spotify mm -hmm. for people to listen, uh, which effectively organically bumps my YouTube growth up because they hear the song and they go and look on YouTube for more videos. Yeah. Um, I have a Facebook Messenger kind of system that's set up so that people message my Facebook page and I kind of see if they're ready to join my um free community it's called the levitators um that's great awesome bunch of i feel folks. like i had something Get to it? do with that <laughs> levitators i feel like you did too yeah i feel like you did too um yeah so they're um that's awesome that's like a really cool community that i check into and you know i schedule my i schedule my posts and a lot of you know those communities so literally i can just start the week mm -hmm. spend an hour in making sure that I give that value and connection to the community, then I can just check in whenever yeah. I'd like um, throughout the week and give that back. And it's this idea that we can, one, we can set ads, two, we can schedule our posts. And I like, I think for me, there was sort of always that guilt of, I felt that things should sort of be liked organically, but that's bullshit, quite frankly. We need to set, you know, but that was sort of my thinking a few years ago. I was like, well, you know, if it's a good song, it'll be, yeah. it'll do well by itself. And that's just total crap these right. days. Um, as it was probably yeah. then also, but you know. I feel like it's, it's always, always been like, it's, I don't really, I don't really know, you know, Bob Dylan blowing in the wind. The only reason that song is part of our like national storybook is because 12, 13 other bands covered it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People, people heard other bands, you know, take that song and do it before Bob Dylan, like ever, they ever heard Bob Dylan sing that song. Um, and the only reason that happened is because, you know, somebody behind the scenes was pitching this song to other right. bands and being like, check out this song. And then they heard another band do it and, and right. so on. So I feel like it's always been like 
like that. And I feel like, you know, it, I don't know. I think it's like just kind of like being able to shed our pride a little bit as creatives and be like, do you like it? And they can say no. And that's totally yeah. cool. But if they say yes, then, then that's, that's a good mm-hmm. thing. And I think there's quite honestly, there's so much crap out there in the music industry that is doing well, not because of how good it is, but because of how much money or who's behind it or all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. So I, it's sort of right. that idea of, you know, good art will just naturally reach the right people isn't true. And it's sort of us, you know, mm-hmm. coming into this industry, just needing to, to get over this, you know, the, the wide-eyed view, starry-eyed view that we have of the, the industry and just kind of, you know, shed that and go, okay, it's time to get to work. This is all of, these are, these are the things that I need to do. This is, these are the systems that I need to build. Um, and these are the processes that I need to, to put in place and yeah, to make it happen. Yep. Yep. All right. Now the last one, uh, you had mentioned was building in timely retrospectives. Yes. Thank you for reminding me on all these points. You're awesome. (laughs) Um, so another very powerful practice, um, that I have found, um, is taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. um, personally as like a, you know, mentally, social, spiritual being. Um, and that's been, um, that's very helpful, uh, is having morning routines and weekly routines and monthly routines. And I call them kind of retrospectives. Um, they could be called other things, but really just a chance to like look back and see if my goals happened Mm -hmm. and how close to my goals I was and what I could do to actually get to my goals, the next cycle, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, so I have daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly retrospective kind of like check-ins, um, processes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Check-ins. Okay. Um, and they've been really great to dial in on, you know, not just the numbers, but like how I'm feeling. Like, did I feel good last week, the way that I set up my life? Um, did I, am I going the direction that I feel like I need to be going? And sometimes you just need to stop and just kind of like check in and see if that's, that's mm-hmm. right. So. I remember the last time we spoke and you, t- I asked you what your yeah. daily routine was. So I'm going to ask you to recount that for me. And I'm actually quite curious to see whether it's changed during lockdown. Oh man. Yeah. I've, I've kind of upgraded my daily routine a little bit since last time we talked. So I have a, um, I have a three hour morning routine. It was an hour and a half the last time, Eli. Um, I know, I know. It's three hours now. Instead. Wow. It's okay. So, so fill me in. Um, okay. So I'm going going to my calendar here. Let's see exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, so I've got um, seven a.m. wake up, uh, seven fifteen go for a run, uh, seven thirty five breakfast, um, eight fifteen shower, eight thirty yoga, nine o'clock half an hour of meditation, nine thirty my daily retrospective and get ready. And uh, 10 a.m., I'm ready to go. Okay. See, that doesn't sound that bad at all. What did you add from the one? It's actually, it's actually wonderful. It's not work. It's like, you know, it's it's a leisurely morning, giving myself time to do all the things that I really want to do in the morning. I mean, you're doing, so you're doing a run, yoga, and meditation. I consider those three very separate leisure activities. Leisure, leisure. Yes. Leisure. leisure. I like it when you Thank say you. leisure. Thank you. Leisure. And, you know, I, I would awesome. think very, I would probably, like, personally, I would go, okay, my, I, you know, I would do one of those a day. 
I wouldn't necessarily think I'll do all yeah. three. Like it's not sort of I've right. never considered that as I can do it all. I no, I totally I did not start with everything. I started with fifteen minutes of fifteen minute jog. Mm-hmm. Then I added um, meditation. Then I bumped that up to thirty minutes, and then um, just started doing uh, yoga in the morning with Miss um, Megan Lee. So we're on like this thirty-day yoga challenge thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I got three-hour morning routine. I envy you, and I need to <clears throat> be better with my own schedule. So one 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 piece at a time i took every every couple weeks i would add like one little thing to it um so i've been working on it the last probably since january Mm -hmm. and with lockdown how has your routine changed so i mean not necessarily the morning Uh, routine but just more generally than that yeah no so interestingly enough since lockdown i've had kind of like more time to really work on my routine Mm -hmm. because if not you know my day is just absolutely nuts i don't know like maybe a farmer's market in the morning like i'm not going to get up and do like a three-hour routine before i have to be at a farmer's market at like eight in the morning um you know i had a show that lasted until 1 a.m in the morning and i got home at two because it was in virginia and i'm in maryland you know like obviously i'm not gonna be able to wake up at seven in the morning the next morning so if anything um i've been really able to kind of like dial it in and you know keep expanding Mm -hmm. it um with all this kind of time and space Have you found more time for songwriting? Not that you didn't before, but has that been more of a focus? Yeah. Yeah, I would say my co-writing schedule has really kind of taken off, which has been awesome. Um, Jumping on Zoom calls with my favorite musicians um, has been great. And um, try and like schedule like two or or three uh, co-writing sessions every week. So, well, yeah. I, I will have to get into your diary. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Let's schedule <laughs> okay. it in. I got my calendar right here. I got an hour after my three-hour morning routine. Oh, you want to do this right now? You want to schedule uh, it now? Let's oh, do good it. Lord. Um, weekend, please. <laughs> weekend. Weekend. Awesome. I got you this Sunday at noon. Oh, I actually have a live show. I'm doing at one. If we could do okay, the Sunday at three. That would do nicely. Thank you very much. Putting it in my diary right now, people. See how fun this yes. is. Like co-write. Oh, this will be fun. I haven't See, done a co-write do. for a while. Anyway, okay. So now back to these principles. There was something else that we talked about the last time. Yay! Um, that I really wanted to bring up because I, I thought this was really interesting. My, my dog's sort of just running around to put, excuse me. Um, I, th- I thought this was really interesting. You were talking about how much you invest in yourself and your music. So, you know, you talked about modern musician. You also talked about um, PR. Um, I think offline, possibly, you potentially talked about vo- vo- voice lessons, I think. There was certainly, there were yeah. certainly a couple of things that you talked about yeah. in terms of... Um, you know, these extra things that you're doing to, to learn, to get better as an artist, to get better as a singer, as a musician. And, you know, we also talked about the budget that you set aside for those things. And I thought that was really thoughtful and sort of, you know, again, sort of thinking ahead as to that investment that you would put into a business as you would do yourself. Yeah, I mean, it could be, you could think of it as a investment to your business. You could think of it as an investment to your education. Like, how much do people spend on education in this country in a year? 
to go to university? Yeah. What is it like? I don't know. 10, 20, 30, $40,000, $50,000 it could mm -hmm. be. So if I spend that much amount just to educate myself on music, then kind of like I'm taking my music just as seriously as I am, you know, any other career. So kind of like thinking of it as yes, a career and as an education, as, um, as business is, um, is a great way to be. And your dog is absolutely adorable. Oh my God. Whoa. Shorty. Yes. Um, he had a tooth out last week and he's still being quite pathetic about it. So occasionally Aww. you need to cuddle. Okay. So let's, let's run down the list again. So one, we've got defining your music, um, and your message. Number one, number two, creating your community, finding who your ideal person, maybe perhaps you called it your avatar is, um, yeah. and you know, working towards building that group. Number three, building your systems. And we, what were we talking about for building your systems again? Team Thank you. and automated systems. Team and automated systems. And uh, fourth was automating your business. Yes, that was Absolutely. it. And systems. finally, um, building in your timely retrospectives, your personal check-ins with yourself. That's it. Those are my five pillar points Ooh, pillars. of what I'm talking Eli's about. Eli's five pillars. Pillars. I like it. Five pillars. Five pillars. Could be yeah, cool. we could... You could publish a book on this. This could be part of your your inventory. Inventory. Yep. It'll be called the uh I could do a Ted Ted like Z talk. That's like totally not officially sanctioned at all. Here's that. a question. Is that something you'd be interested in? Is that like a would that be a goal for you? Oh yeah. I think I would totally rock the um whole like that whole scene. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like get like one of those like super cool like or like the skin tone microphones, microphones. That go down your cheek. Yep. Yeah, and just use like a lot of hand gestures and just like do this and then like play a song and people pay me $20,000. I think I'd be great at that. Yeah, I mean, why not? It's $20,000 for five minutes of work. <laughs> I, you know, if you don't do a good job, I think that, you know, you've got to consider your value there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be uh, I'd be happy to look into, um, into that uh, possibility. Interesting. I would really like to see that because effectively you've just done it, but you know. Effectively. Uh, yeah, effectively. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Five pillars. So, Eli, before I let you go, um, I want to hear a song, please. Would you do me the honor? Oh. I would most definitely do Who's... the honor. Do you have a song in particular that you'd like to hear? Um, I really like the, the song that you just put out. I think it was last week, um, Class of 2020. I thought that was a beautiful wee yes. tune. Very timely. Yeah. And, in, you know, speaking about are you writing songs at the moment, clearly you are, so... I would love to hear yep. that song. Cool. So um, I wrote this uh, for uh, as a suggestion from somebody in my community. They're like, I'm graduating this year. It's terrible. Um, can you write a song to like help me and cheer up and maybe send to my classmates as well? So I did. And I sang it to about 500 students in Ohio last week for their um, for like a graduation kind of like performance mm -hmm. um, online, which was really oh, cool. that's awesome. So. Yeah, here it is, class of 2020. It's been a wild and crazy year. You've been working so hard to get yourself here. Late nights of studying and staying up. 
Early morning, gotta get to class and waking up. You deserve a moment to look back in pride. We're here for you, six feet away by your side. Cause we can't be separate forever. So come on, let's celebrate together. Text your friends, call your family. Congratulations, class of 2020. I remember when it was my time to say goodbye to all the people who brought me to the next stage of my life. Back in those days, we put our arms around each other. Got a pat on the back from my dad and a big kiss from my mother. And even though these are different times, we're still gonna celebrate online. So put on your cap, put on your gown, turn on your favorite song, get down. Cause we can't be separate forever. So come on, let's celebrate together. Text your friends, call your family. Thank your teachers, thank the faculty. Congratulations, class of 2020. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite part. Whatever it Thanks, Jody. Eli, thank you so much for joining me. It is always, it really is always such a pleasure talking with you. Not only just, you know, we hang backstage, as it were, but we yeah, we, we hang, you know, we're, we're pals. We but, um, you know, I'm so pleased that you are thriving, not only kind of surviving, but you're thriving during this time. Um, and I'm excited to, to write with you at the weekend. Yeah, we've got our co-write session Sunday at 3. All right, Eli. Well, you take care. Um, Thanks for having me Where can people find you and your music? Yes. uh, Type in Eli, E-L-I, then put a space, and then type in L-E-V on your local Google uh, sheet, and you will find all All things E-L-E-V. And yet my website is actually the best place to go because I've got all my music for, for free there. And um, you can join uh, my free Levitators community as well on my website. And I have my live stream scheduled there as well. So it's Eli-Lev.com. The Levitators. Shush. All right, Eli, I'll chat to you soon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks for having me, Steph. This is awesome. My good friend, Eli Lev. Next week on the podcast, Mr. Matt Butler joins me to talk about art that serves. Matt has just released a short documentary film called Mother's Day Miracle in conjunction with his nonprofit Just One Foundation as part of a fundraiser that has raised $10,000 in just four days. So please join us on Facebook for that one tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget, our podcasts now are live real-time over on our Facebook page Wednesday nights from 8pm EST, so follow our page and join our inner circle, that is NYAC Inner Circle, to find out all about our next guests and give you some resources as a music fan and musician. Stay safe out there. I'm Stephanie Manns. See you next time. New York Artists Collective.